Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Watching the Boxes Fantasy Basketball Podcast, hosted by HashtagBasketball.com, your home for the very best fantasy tools and analysis, and our projections for next year are up. They are free at HashtagBasketball.com. Go check them out. I am your host, Mike Katrin, and joining me, as always, is the man with the plan, the co-host of the year, Tyler P. Watts. What's up, Tyler? Michael, how are you this fine, fine day? I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. I'm starting to get into the swing of things. It's starting to feel like basketball season, you know what I mean? Football has started, right? That's usually, to me, when the NFL starts, that's the beginning of my basketball season. I'm ready for basketball season once the NFL starts because the Bears suck and they're terrible. And I immediately shift to basketball season because there's no hope for the Chicago Bears whatsoever. Well, couldn't you say anything about the Bulls, though? Listen, I'm not going to say that until the end of October when they've lost three out of the, their first uh, four games. And then I can pivot to next year's Bulls. Uh, or the the or the draft, which is I think usually what we pivot to, but I think that would require us to have a draft pick in next year's draft. So it's going to be a long decade for Chicago sports fans, and um, it's going to be a long decade for me. Well, maybe the Blackhawks can be good. Uh, well, they did just get like they actually won. Uh, they got the first pick in the draft, and like the guy, the kid they got, it's like historically, like basically, it's the first person they've ever compared to actually Gretzky at that age or whatever. So like, I don't know, maybe, maybe the Blackhawks will be good. Never know. Got my, I got my fingers crossed. I could care less about the Sox and the Cubs, um, but Sox um, are falling. This is like a, a maybe, just maybe. Everyone's pissed off at Reinsdorf for the Sox, and that's his baby. So it's like if he's everybody's pissed off at him for the Sox, maybe he'll try to make the Bulls better so he can siphon more money off the Bulls to the Sox. Maybe <laughs> that's a that's a theory. That's a, that's a, actually a, a fairly common theory in Chicago that that's pretty much what Reinsdorf does all the time. Um. Enough. This is not Chicago uh, sports. Shout out to the Chicago sports podcasts uh, that are out there. If you are if you are listening and you are, have your own Chicago sports podcast, uh, hit me up on Twitter. I watch the boxes. I'd love to come bitch about the Bulls. Uh, but that's not what we're here to do. We're here to bitch about fancy basketball. Uh, Tyler, there's a lot of questions out there, and um. I think a lot of play, a lot of people, right? They look at third and fourth year players, and they're like, "This, these are these are the breakout candidates. This is what um, these th- this group of dudes are the guys who are about to take that leap." Now, histo- I would like to know because I, I, historically, it feels right to say that. You know what I mean? Like, but I don't have any like. Uh, data in front of me. I don't have any hard. You know, I don't. I don't. I don't bring the data in. That's that's Tyler. That's your job. Um, I'm here for vibes, and my vibe is is that third and fourth year players often are good to target as breakout candidates in fantasy basketball. This is 
a weird year, though. Because I feel like quite a few of the third-year players I'm looking at, and I haven't, already are kind of fantasy basketball names. But also, this feels like a, a season in transition. So, I don't know, Tyler. Have you have you been kind of looking at the younger talent in the league and, and, and pinpointing any any specific players that, uh, that are catching your eye? Well, so this is actually pretty interesting, I think, because I, there was a, a couple of maybe not very good draft classes in that kind of range, um, which is weird to say, right? Like... But it's looking like some of these, like the 2020 class was maybe not that good, right? Like you got Halliburton, you got Anthony Edwards, you got LaMelo Ball, Esmond Bain, Cyrus Maxey looks good. There's a lot of guys in there that were top picks that are not looking so hot right about now. Um, And then 2021, like that draft is kind of up in the air still. Like there's some really good players in there, but then there's a lot of guys where it's like... I don't know what to say about this person. Um, so I think that's kind of playing a factor of why maybe there's not as many as there there normally is. I think back to your real point, like why is there why are they third and fourth year breakouts? I think you know those guys are just getting to that, especially when they get drafted at nineteen, they're just getting to that twenty two, twenty three, twenty four range where they you know at least start to break out and then they get a little bit better um, as they head into their prime and then obviously like in their early to mid thirties, they start to decline. That's just how like the normal cycle goes. So that's why they start breaking out there is, you know, the guys that stay in college for four years, like they're pretty much what they are by the time they come out because that's, they're at that, it's at that age already. Right. Um, yeah. And these are, these are definitely players that like, they've seen enough NBA reps where they know where they need to take the game. And if they have that talent, it's a, that talent is about to arrive, right? They're, they're finally like, um, you know, out of college age, they've matured into their bodies. Like some of these kids are still growing when they in, when they end up in in the in the NBA, but then they get three years of true like professional experience, and it, it does feel like that you know that three year either two the second year or third year, um, excuse me, third year or fourth year, right? Um, that's when they people take the leap. I think a lot of people get too excited about second-year players. I feel like second-year players don't usually disappoint, actually. They, they usually disappoint. Yeah, I think that's fair. And a lot of them are just 20 years old still. So, like, they're just they're not ready. Okay. Um, to answer your question, though, I think the guy that I'm looking f- at breaking out that maybe isn't going in the first or second round already is Kate Cunningham. Oh, Okay. Um, that is a I, that's a name I know we've had on our just like top of the questions sheet for a while. Like what what does Cade Cunningham have? Cade Cunningham have um, his you know his injury history, his question marks, the fact that he is the guy in Detroit, uh, the fact that he has a really fan, uh, fantasy friendly game. Uh, what what is your take on on, on our good friend Cade? Well, here, here's the start of it, right? I think for some of those other guys, like Anthony Edwards is getting picked in, what, the second round? Tyrese Halliburton's getting picked in the middle of the first round? Yeah. Those guys, they're getting drafted at their value, maybe even a little bit higher. Like even Desmond Bain, right? He's a second-round pick right now. So, like, is Desmond As Bain... As he should be. 
but but is he going to be a first round player? Like, no. I mean, like it's a fine spot, no. but it's not like he could beat his value. I feel like Cade Cunningham going forty three point eight is a guy that could beat his value. And we saw Cunningham in obviously only twelve games because he got hurt last year. You know, he averaged almost twenty points, six point two rebounds, six assists. If he gets that one point two steals and point seven blocks that he got as a rookie, even those numbers, like that's already starting to be a pretty interesting player. Assume in his third year the field goal percentage goes up. Like let's assume that he, you know, can play sixty, sixty five games. He's starting to get a really interesting fantasy guy, and if he can go to twenty five points and seven and seven that's quickly becoming a second round player. Yeah. Currently, I think if you go out to, uh, which I think it's safe to say we recommend if you're doing mock drafts to that Yahoo is usually the most popular, uh, mock draft, uh, client out there website or whatever. Um, if you go to their ADPs, uh, Katie Cunningham is currently being drafted around 44. Yeah, so we're talking about a fourth round player, right? Like yeah, solidly fourth round player. That's what I mean, and I think there's easily scenarios I could see where he is a second or a third round player at the end of the season. Yeah, I think the tool set is there. Like all the things that we always talk about that you should look for in a breakout player. Because, like, I, I was saying this uh, just the other day. I don't think there's such thing as sleepers anymore. Um, there's too many analysts, there's too many people who are good at this now, who uh, have great podcasts, uh, fantastic websites. Everyone's heard of Alfred Sagoon a, a, a year or two earlier than they would have 10 years ago, right? Everybody's heard of these guys who are breakout candidates, right? So instead, value discrepancy really is the key to finding value like the I, I gotta find a catchphrase for this tyler maybe you can help me with this we need like a name for guys um who's who have like great that like the value is there right like they're 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 not bargain bin well, we'll figure this out but they're undervalued it's as simple as that they're undervalued on the market and right now, like you're saying, Cade Cunningham is in that sweet spot. He is 22 years old. This is his third year in the league. He is the primary ball handler on a team that has nothing but minutes to give him. He's already averaged in 64 games two seasons ago, right? This is when he was raw. 17, five and a half, five and a half, over a steal, almost a block a game. Those are really nice fantasy numbers. Is that do you think that the injury though last season puts him as a second year player instead of a third year player in that trajectory of a guy who's kind of gotten the league figured out? Uh so I think the team USA stint that he had, which he was part of the select team, they wanted him to actually go and, and play in the World Cup and he turned it down because he wanted to be healthy for the season and he was, you know, not sure that he could you know, play all those games and do all the travel in that sense. But, I mean, like, the reports from, you know, training camp were like, you know, he was cooking, like, the actual squad that went to the World Cup. Um, we all know how that yeah. turned out. Right. And, and I mean, like, that, okay, you can say, oh, they weren't a great defensive squad or whatever, but, like, 6'6 guy, you know, a big ball handler. We've seen a lot of those guys have success recently. Coming into the draft, he was compared to Luka. Is he that good? 
I don't think he is, but at the same time, like, I think this is a guy who could easily make a jump, and I don't think that... I think that injury is behind him at this point. Now, could he suffer another injury? I mean, I think that is possible, but... I feel like he's as safe to play 65 games as almost anybody. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say I'm not thinking the injury last season is like a sign of things to come. I don't think we're going to experience like a... Uh, I have no reason to be like, oh, Cade's just injury prone. I stay away from him. I don't have any reason to say that. And also, you know, you just mentioned his comparison. He's Luca Light. He's Luca Light that you can get in the fourth round instead of the first round. Now, Luca obviously scores more, does more, uh, is more mature uh, in his game. But the trajectory for Cade is I'm the centerpiece of this team. I can score, I can rebound, I can uh, have my... Like, he's got some nine assists a game uh, games already. He's got some 10 rebound, 11 rebound games. He's dropped 35 in a game, right? Like, these are things he is capable of. He is capable of reaching a ceiling that looks like Luka's. I don't think that's going to be this year, but the trajectory, like you're saying, is that at... You know, you're probably getting a fourth round player in the fourth round. And if you're lucky, you're getting a better player. Yeah, whereas a lot of guys, like, I mean, just looking in, like, the fourth round ADPs, like, guys going right around him, like, what do you expect Jamal Murray to do that he didn't do last year? Or hasn't done at some point in his career? Like, isn't Jamal Murray going to be Jamal Murray? Yeah. Whereas Cade Cunningham's got the upside to be Jamal Murray plus something. You know what I mean? How much? I don't know. Depends on how big of a leap he can take this year. But plus something. I like targeting uh, Cade Cunningham. I think a lot of people are going to like targeting Cade Cunningham, but um, I think Cade is definitely a third-year player, um, a third- or fourth-year player, right? He's a, he's a third-year player uh, that could break out, but Looking at this 2021 draft, right? There's a lot of there's a lot of nice like there's a lot of names in this draft that I like. Um, two players I think we have to like hone in on that I that I'm interested in, and and maybe we save the fourth year players for another podcast, but maybe we just hone in on the on these third year players. Um, Jalen, no, sorry, not Jalen Green. I do want to talk about Jalen Green though. Um, there are two players that I think when the rookie year happened. A lot of people around the league are like, these are the guys. Like, these guys are going to be really good. That's Evan Mobley and Scotty Barnes. Both of their, both of them came into the league with, like, professional-level games, and they were still raw rookies, right? Both of them have flashes of, of something special. And both of them have been, like, I think overhyped in the fantasy world um scotty barnes last season in 77 games uh finished 82nd overall according to hashtag basketball and evan mobley finished 53rd neither one of them getting out of the top 50 right but watching them in real life it feels like they're better um on the court than on paper 
do you see that switching for either one of those guys? Do you think their fantasy game, the paper game, takes a leap here in year three? They're both 22 years old, just like Cade. I think the problem is both of these teams are trying to compete-ish, and we can discuss the Raptors maybe not being that competitive and, and what they decide to do if they're not. Um, for Mobley, though, like the Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland – even Jared Allen, right? Like, they have four pretty capable scorers there. Um, so I, I just don't know. Like, really, because Mobley doesn't hit threes, right? And his free throw percentage is going to be, I mean, not, like, terrible, but bad. Um, you know, he's going to have to score more, and I just don't think there's going to be more shots. Not with the two guards dominating the ball, right? No, I, I completely agree with that. I think that is actually what will did and will continue to kind of hinder Evan Mobley's development is Donovan Mitchell. Uh, not that that's like a bad thing for the Cleveland franchise or for winning games, etc., uh, etc., et but Evan Mobley is a special talent. Like, he is what I would say is like... A, he's on the Jaron Jackson trajectory. Uh, maybe even more defensively minded. But I think... I think Evan Mobley has like absolute all-star caliber, like KG level, like vibes to him occasionally. Uh, and I, I know that's saying a lot, but like that's the kind of player I think Evan Mobley could be. And you're 100% right. Never will become if he's not the guy. And he's not even close to being the guy. He's like sort of the third best guy. Uh, even though talent wise, I think he might actually be the best guy on the team um he's still going to live behind those two guards he's also not going to be like the the primary center in cleveland either so he's never going to play a, a true role and you do have to wonder fantasy wise right he's been under three assists a game and he he doesn't he will he ever get to one three-pointer a game and that might also hinder his ceiling as well i think everything you said is right i mean i think the assists probably are the easiest thing to come up, and that's if he gets the ball a little bit more. Um, obviously, if his role changes, right? Like, they trade Jared Allen, they trade Donovan Mitchell, they trade Darius Garland, like, we could maybe have a different story, but I don't really... I mean, like, there's probably going to be small gains like there was from year one to year two, right? Like, maybe he gets 17 points. Maybe he gets nine and a half rebounds. Maybe he gets 3.2 assists. Maybe he gets .9 steals and 1.7 blocks. Like, all those are good numbers, but that's not enough to really push him up super, super far, right? So, like, he's basically going to be what he was last year plus a little bit. Like, maybe he sneaks his way into the top 50, maybe even the top 40, maybe the top 40, but probably not any further than that just because there's no there's no more touches for him to get. Yeah, we talk about kind of like the, the tiered rankings at the top of the draft. Uh, you know, you have your absolute super elite players – your second-tier players, your third-tier players. And then we talk about that plateau of good players that all, you know, that spans from, like, 45 to 75. These are good players that are all, like, you know, you can call it your overall average or your Z-score, or you could call it whatever, that their impact fantasy-wise is all basically really close to each other between 45 and 75. Evan Mobley's never gotten himself really out of that plateau. He's absolutely a prime candidate be someone who does get out of that plateau 
And as you're saying, even with those little increases, he's at the top of the plateau. Does he get into that third tier? Maybe. Maybe this is the season he gets into the third tier. But it's really going to be like, oh, yeah, he's technically in the third tier because he's just a little bit better. He went from the 53rd best player to the 43rd best player. Um, That's positive. But it's not like the kind of superstar breakout I think a lot of people are hoping for him. And right now, ADP-wise, he's going 44. So you're you're paying probably what you're going to get for him, a guy whose free throw percentage isn't great, and he gets you good blocks. Yeah, I'm I'm just not like super interested just because like you said, like it's it's fine, but you're probably paying exactly what he's gonna be, and that's not really what I'm trying to do, especially at that stage in the draft. No, uh, not, not at all. I'm not I'm not trying to pay it for a plateau player, I'm not trying to pay like top or even like even dollar, right? Um I, I if I'm gonna reach it's gonna be for someone who has kind of that um, you know top 30 vibe i've i was recently in a mock draft i saw players like you know drew holiday in the fourth round right i'm gonna take drew holiday over evan mobley like every day of the week so um you know there's i think a lot there's a lot of reaching going on in the second and third rounds and i think i don't you shouldn't be reaching outside of the top 45 for any reason whatsoever from like 45 to 55 you really shouldn't be drafting anyone who doesn't um have a top like 50 value or even a top 40 value right and that's the range you know evan movie's going at the top of that 45 to 55 range he's actually going one ahead of that right so you're paying top dollar for him i'm not interested in but scotty barnes on the other hand He's at the bottom of that 45 to 55 range. His current ADP is 56, which is actually significantly higher than what Hashtag Basketball has his projected rankings at. Um, He's currently 79th in projected uh, rankings. And there might be a pretty good reason for that. Last season, he finished 82nd. Cody Barnes feels like the kind of guy who's better on the court than on paper. He's got percentages that i don't love a three-point game that doesn't exist as well but then he also doesn't have that elite stat like evan mobley does he doesn't have that block stat scotty barnes feels like an all-around like really good player across the board that really doesn't do it like it used to like we're not we're not seeing a lot of like auto porters break into the top 30 like we used to well it's just because everyone is so good now and there's just so many more stats right like you know, there are guys averaging 30 points a game and multiple guys averaging 30 points a game, so it's hard to break into the top 30 when you've got some guys averaging 30 and you're averaging, you know, 15. And, I mean, I just think Scotty Barnes' ADP is just way too high. Like, you're you're paying for a leap that you might not get, and I guess some people are getting excited that Pascal Siakam could potentially be traded. Um, they're also talking about doing some more points Scotty Barnes this year, you know, especially... They they lost Van Vliet. They did get Schroeder to replace him, but Schroeder's a lot of times more of a two guard, like more of a scoring guard. Um, so Scotty Barnes could have the ball in his hands a lot this year. But I mean, what is it? Is it six assists? That that seems like a stretch at this point. Yeah, I mean, he's had some like elite assist games, right? Um, and m- maybe there is something 
um, brewing in Toronto, right? Like maybe, like everything has to fall right. Basically, they have to go to him as the point guard. They have to either um, allow him to run the team and or move Pascal Siakam off the team in order for Scotty Barnes to take a leap. And even with that leap, is that enough? Let's let's the points go up, the assists go up, the three pointers still aren't going to be there. Rebounds maybe go up a little bit. The steals and blocks are going to stay consistent. Is a, is like a seventeen and seven, seventeen seven and seven, with a steal and a block. That's a pretty good player, but I don't know. Is that who? Who is that? Isn't that just Pascal Siakam? It's worse. It's worse than Cade Cunningham, yeah. who's going around ahead of that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, who's, who's going forty three, right? And Pascal Siakam's going thirty, which is you know a little high. But like Pascal Siakam has been dropping twenty eight and six with a uh, with a steal uh, on a regular basis. Yeah, like I feel like Barnes is like absolute ceiling. He breaks out. Pascal gets traded. All that is like he barely squeaks into the top fifty. So you're basically paying the sticker price for somebody that could be the eighty fifth ranked player again. Like, that doesn't seem like a, a good idea to me. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like his ceiling, fantasy-wise, is, and maybe even professionally, um, is that high. Because I, it just doesn't seem like he would turn himself into like an efficient DeMar DeRozan or um, morph into like a primary uh, scorer slash, uh, like, playmaker like like did jante murray like you know it, it doesn't feel like he's either one of those things well um, it's, it's, it certainly doesn't now i mean like he could turn into an all-star certainly. the kids just turned 22 right yeah. like I, at the same really time like, like is that ha- is that happening this year no it's, it's not i don't think and and even if it does like it's not all going to happen in one year. It never does for anyone almost, right? Like, sure, he might get, you know, some more rebounds, some more assists, some more points, but it's not going to be like, oh, he averaged 15, now he's averaging 25, 7, and 7. Like, that's just, it's not usually how it works, right? He might average 18 or 19, and then he averages 21, and then he averages 23, and then he finally gets up to 25. Yeah, it's very rare to see, like, the the perfect out of nowhere breakout it's it hardly ever happens it's always like kind of a weird circumstance as well um this one doesn't feel like a weird circumstance obviously i'm going to keep an eye on toronto i'm going to keep an eye on scotty barnes because i like him as a player i think he's actually a very talented basketball player but i'm not like overpaying for him um going a little early on Cade cunningham i'm willing to do but you know for evan mobley and scotty barnes uh, I'm not. I'm not willing to do it. Uh, there's a couple other players in this draft. Actually, there's quite a few players in this draft who I like. Um, but there's one that's everyone certainly is going to be talking about. And um, I feel like this is like if we were still in a. Um, and I'm declaring. I'm declaring the end of the sleeper, Tyler. If we were still in an era where sleepers existed. I would call this guy 100% the sleeper of the season because um, everyone already knows and everyone's already got him on their sleeper list. Alfred Sagoon. The hype on this guy is so high right now. Um, we have I've heard people um, 
comparing him to Jokic um, as a as a as that's his career path. He's uh, a baby Jokic. That's uh, the skill set he has. He is currently actually going at a fair, in my opinion, fairly reasonable sixty-one overall post-trade deadline last season. Um, he was not that great. He only played thirty minutes a game. He was thirteen and uh, almost ten. He did have almost a block. He did have a steal. He did have four assists, but the three-pointers, once again, aren't there. And he shoots around 70% from the line. That's a lot to overcome. It's a lot to overcome when your coach is a very defensive-minded coach, too, and you are a bad defender. Yeah. That's, I mean, the minutes were... Overall, last season, a post trade on the deadline it was thirty. For the season overall, is twenty nine. So like, you're not on the court. That's not. I, I'm sorry. Thirty minutes is not starters minutes. You have to be over thirty for me to be considered you a starter. Well, and here's the other thing. He averaged three point four fouls in twenty nine minutes. So again, like, how much more can you play without fouling out? That's a that's a question I can't answer. Um. Yeah, I, th- I think Sangoon is going to be one of those like big risers throughout draft season, and I, I just don't really see it. Like There are going to be improvements, I'm sure. Um, he's a young guy. There are some exciting things, but there's also going to be games where you know, Ime is just pissed because he's not guarding well and he plays 15 minutes, or he's in foul trouble and he plays 10. There's, there's 100% going to be games this season where Elver Sangoon just like, is a no-show. Or, like you're saying, fouls out, or is in foul trouble, or is on the shit list, and it's a bad matchup, and he's just getting smoked out there. It's just not worth keeping him on the floor. That's kind of one of the, you know, the 101 things we talk about a lot um, for fantasy basketball is that, like, at the end of the day, minutes is the most important statistic there is, period. And consistency in those minutes is also pretty important. And Alfred Sagoon, right? 30 minutes a game? Okay, cool. Like, there's there's some really nice stat lines. Sagoon's had some really incredible games, actually. Um, you know, like, 2010, seven, three steals and a block. Like, that was, like, the end of last year. It's just one I'm just pulling up. The, like, skill set on this guy, who's 21 years old, not even 22, 21 years old, is impressive. Fancy basketball-wise, there is a lot that needs to be done here. Getting over 10 rebounds a game. Getting closer to 20 points a game. Five five more points a game is a lot. That is a lot to, imp- to improve on uh, in, in professional basketball. Um, I'm going to... I'm personally... I'm going to need to see this guy like hit a three a game. I don't know... like. I don't know where you have Albert Sagoon in your in your like draft list or whatever. Sixty one is like, yeah, okay, I need like a a guy and I like this guy. Guarantee you, Albert Sagoon in like three weeks is a top fifty ADP, almost almost certainly. Yeah, and and I just don't want that. Like, I mean, from the same class, like. Franz Wagner's going eight spots later, going sixty nine ADP. I'd I'd rather have him than Sangoon. Because what do I know about what, about Franz? He's gonna play. 
his percentages are going to be pretty good. He's going to get you some rebounds, some assists, a steal, probably pretty close to 20 points in his third year. You know, if he's 24, 4, 1.1 steals on good percentages, maybe two threes a game he gets up to, like, I want that much more than I want Sangoon, who's going six spots higher. And I just don't know that it's going to end super well with Ime in there. Like, Sangoon could be down. I think his minutes honestly could be down this season as they're up. Real quick, who would you rather who would you rather draft? I would say Goon or Jalen Williams. <sighs> That's a tough one. Um, it is a tough one. They're kind of very similar players, except for Jalen Williams uh, can shoot free throws and get steals. Yeah, I mean they're going pretty close to each other too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, man, I, mm, I think maybe. See, the Thunder are a tough team to figure out, too, because they've just got so many guys that they're trying to play, too, because they just their entire roster is young people. Um, I think I might rather have Jalen Williams, though. I think I would rather have Jalen Williams as well. Um, Sagoon or Chet Holgram? Oh, man. How many does Chet play? That's the question there. Um, I'd rather have Chet, though, for sure. Uh, same here. Um Let's see, Singoon or DeAndre Ayton? I'd rather have Ayton. Yeah, see, like, I'm, I'm, I'm really, like, hard-pressed to find someone I'm like, oh, definitely Singoon, right? And I feel like that's a bad, that's a bad sign. Like, because he doesn't, he's kind of, like, got, the, the nice stat that he has is that assist stat, right? The blocks aren't elite, the rebounds are really good but there's no scoring that goes with it he's kind of like a there's a lot of these centers every single year that are kind of like good not great and he's in that list and a lot I, I feel like the way he's being spoken about is that he's about to be um you know a third round player this season he's about and to be mitchell robinson the the annual mitchell robinson award this year goes to sing <laughs> Ooh, I want to go that far. That's kind of, I feel like that's kind of harsh. Uh, but you did bring up a, another player, Franz Wagner, who I, I mean, okay. I feel like, I don't know if it was last season or two seasons ago, but I kept being like, oh, I'm watching a lot of Orlando Magic. I remember people being like, what? Why? And I'm like, nah. I'm kind of watching a lot of Orlando Magic. And like the number one reason I was watching the Orlando Magic was Franz Wagner. There is something about this dude's game, skill set, and size. And I think that's the thing that people don't realize about Franz Wagner. Is like he's like six nine. He doesn't. You don't think he that he's six nine, but then you see because the way the way he moves and the way he like acts on the court. When you see him up against these players, you're like, oh, he's just like massively much bigger than most of the players on the court. And he's, but he's doing things that like Demar Derozan does, or like he's just like he's playing a different game for the size that he is, right? I'm always a little early on stuff. There's always one player I'm a little early on, and I'm kind of hoping it's Franz Wagner. And I'm also kind of way more interested in getting Franz Wagner at like 70 ADP than a lot of the players we've already talked about. Yeah, right. And I think it's just a safety in that Franz is going to play and he's going to produce good stats, and there's an upside that they're even better, right? That's what I like about it. 
some of these other guys, I'm like, uh, how much better can he get? I don't know. Like, Franz is a guy the Magic are building around. They're putting a lot into him. We saw a leap in, from year one to year two. I think we're going to see another one from year two to year three. It just feels like there's some good upside there, and there's, you know, would it shock you if Franz averaged 22 points, five rebounds, five assists, 1.2 steals, half a block? No, that's, like, pretty reasonable. I feel like that's something, if he's going to, like, step over the, the edge, like, you know, like, make that leap, that is what he would be doing. Exactly, and that's that's why, like, I just feel a little bit better about him. And, like, I guess you could make the case that, like, oh, well, you could say the same stuff about Sangoon, but, like, the Rockets added people and not subtracted, right? They added Fred Van Fleet, they added Dylan Brooks, who's going to shoot. Say what you want, like, oh yeah, Dylan Brooks would be the great three and D wing. He's not gonna play that. He's gonna shoot the ball, and that yeah, means Dylan touch- Brooks is gonna be a like a prime like he's gonna be one of the primary scorers on that team. Well, here's the other thing about Sangoon too. Like you mentioned, it those four assists are what really like boosts him up. With Van Vliet there doesn't Van Vliet have the ball more than Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. had last year? Absolutely, Van Vliet's going to run that team. Like Van Vliet's actually my. Um, when asked who would be a shocking first round, uh, someone you think who could sneak into the first round this season, I'm like, I think Fred Van Fleet's like actually ready to do that. Like, if you if you ignore field goal percentage, Fred Van Fleet's already kind of a first round. He's like a top fifteen player. So, a little bit more scoring, a little bit more ball handling, a little bit more uh, assists, a little more rebounds, like. It goes from a, a second-tier player to an almost first-tier player. I don't think Alfred Sagoon's going to be doing anything other than regular Alfred Sagoon stuff. Like you're saying, Franz is positioned to take a larger, more important role on the Orlando Magic. The only thing that worries me about Franz Wagner is that he doesn't have the most friendly fantasy game. Percentages are solid. He doesn't get, like... Good threes. He doesn't get like good anything. Like it's just fine. And some of those players um, who kind of walk that just fine line never really break out into the top fifty. Um, so like there really does does have to be a significant leap for France to be in that top fifty. Yeah, but you're also not paying it. I mean, like he's going sixty ninth overall. Yeah, so you're not paying for a top 70? fifty player. Right, sure. which is which I feel better about than like you know Sangoon's going sixty. I mean, some of these other young guys like they're going way up there, right? Like Walker Kessler's going near the top forty. <laughs> like I'd much rather have somebody that I could pay a little bit less for that I'm like I could see a leap coming, and I'm not having to pay this, and I'm not having to pay ten picks higher, fifteen picks higher, twenty picks higher. Yeah, there's that's like always the key. Is just not overpaying. That is how you want to end your draft. You want to end your draft and go, ooh, got a steal. I got a steal there. I got a steal there. I like that I reached for this player there because I like I like them. Uh, this player was a good value when they came out. Like that's you want to say that for every round. Um, like you you want to not go, ooh, uh, you look at the draft and go, ah, oh, damn, that guy was still available. Damn it! Like you, you don't, you don't want that. That's that's the opposite of how you want to end your, in your draft. I think that's it for the third 
year players. So we'll probably do a fourth year player show as well. But if you like what you're listening to, hit us up on Twitter. I'm at Watch the Boxes. Tyler is at Tyler P. Watts. You can find us both on Twitter. If you have any questions that you want answered in the lead up to the season, feel free to hit up both of us or either of us or one of us. And we appreciate you supporting the show and we'll see you next time.